Hey guys, this is Jack Noseworthy from Event Horizon, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Box. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today. This is a special episode of Shooting the Shit little special episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. Today I am talking with... I am Pepper DeLuca, and I am a transplant comic book artist, watercolor artist here in Colorado, (laughs) originally from a place called Jupiter, Florida. That's kind of rad, actually, (laughs) that you're from from Jupiter. I I am, I am. I've actually been asked if I'm from, like people would ask like where are you originally from and i just and like my reflex is just to say jupiter so a lot of people think they're like so you're not from this planet so they just look at you like some kind of jackass or something like yeah yeah, but i'm like no it's a town in florida literally uh, (laughs) yeah uh, there's another town like right next to it called juno beach (laughs) right in juno like, if you know the Greek, the Roman pantheon, those are the leaderships. Yes, yes. Okay. But I imagine the average Floridian is no longer aware of that anymore these days. Um, if, you're from, <laughs> if you're from that area, you know how people from Jupiter talk very well. Um, and most people know about Jupiter now if you live in Florida. Um, right. Because it's been like on the news and stuff it's like so that unique. on several occasions. So, um, but, but yeah, yeah, my childhood there was actually kind of pretty decent compared to other places of Florida. Um, you know, it's if I had to say like anything bad about it was just basically just a lot of meth. A lot of meth. I mean, there was kind bad. There was also a lot of good. I mean, Maybe not where you were at. I'm just kidding. That's just <laughs> yeah, like the like, stigma of Florida. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I mean, I still have some really good friends that are from that time period in my life. And um, we each have our own experience of Florida. And that's like, and it's kind of like leading why I'm here today. There's every single type of experience that you can count on when you're talking about LGBTQI, whatever, however you want to say the, that that family of yes. your, and I know some people call it the Alphabet Mafia. Um, I actually prefer that one because it sounds more badass, though I'm sure it's probably or uh, derogative origins. But <laughs> You know what? I honestly, uh, there are so many words in the community that actually were originally words that meant like odd or weird or happy right. or sad or, well, you know. Um, I mean, gay means for, happy. Yes. Yeah. Queer um, means different from ordinary. Or odd. Um, yeah. Like, and they were used as slurs against the community, and now the community <laughs> has taken so many of those words back, it's really hard to distinguish the original concept of them versus right. what it's for now. Like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have to explain this to my kids if I ever have them watch uh, Nightmare Before Christmas because they actually use queer in one of the songs and they're going to have to, like, basically, right. like, 
ask me like, hey, why is this in there? It doesn't mean that. And I'm like, no, this is back in the 80s when they meant odd. Oh, sorry, yeah. 90s. 90s. <laughs> um, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so you have to... Uh, I, yeah, I'm old. Right. I do, <laughs> I do really appreciate the fact that, let's just say... For a blanket for a blanket term, the community at large has sort of like taken these slurs and just been like, "Fuck you! Those are ours now. We are no longer offended by them." Yes, we are gay. Yes, we are queer. Yes, we are whatever. Like, fuck you! It's no longer gonna that word's no longer going to work. You're gonna have to find something else. Right. And right. they don't. They don't have anything else. They're just like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, my cousin and her wife actually, like, they reposted, she reposted a picture. Um, They're expecting their first child soon, I think later this summer. Um, And uh, they, like, kissed right, uh, they did a picture of them kissing right out front of a bunch of protesters during a Pride event. That's fucking awesome. uh, Yeah, I mean... Uh, but also at the same time, like uh, that kind of segues open to my family. My family is generally accepting. So a good majority of me, like, like basically telling people, hey, I'm going to be dating exclusively um, masculine people mm-hmm. now is like basically. I'm very so happy you're just accepting. there already. So I don't have to ask this question is yeah. what was coming out like? Cause yeah. that's like, um, everybody always wants to know because that story is so unique for everyone. So um, you have to understand something uh, like if I'm going to go into my story right now on how Do everything, it, please. Ended, I guess um, uh, the main thing I want to say is I was in a <clears throat> marriage to a woman. Okay. So I was married. Um, we had separated twice. We married very young. Um, and I want to preference this is our marriage fell apart not because I was gay, because of a multitude of reasons. <laughs> I was drinking every day. I mean, My generally, sex- there's w- way more than one reason a marriage yeah. falls. <laughs> I, too, have an ex-wife. There's way more than one reason, yeah. and they're not all me, thankfully. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I, I've actually called up, I called up my ex-wife, and I apologize for every shitty thing I did to her. And I said, I don't even expect, and at the end of it, I was like, I don't expect you to even apologize. Right. And she accepted and she said, you're pretty much spot on with everything that you did. And we haven't really spoken since. <laughs> well, you know, you know I, that's geez. enough, I guess. Yeah. You got um, your closure and she, yeah. whether she got it or not, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I um, guess. If you can. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I want to preference is like before my family, like, before I told my family, I just want to say state this is they, I was you, their experience with you. You were already married to a woman already. Yeah. So yeah, I get yeah, it. There was a lot of yeah. There was a lot of people that were like, "Are you sure he is?" Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what ended up happening is I came to the conclusion. I talked to some of my friends, and I basically was like, "I," and I told them, "I was like, I think I need to be with someone that is masculine." That's that's on how I phrase it. Not I need to be with someone as, that's a man. 
male right. biologically, just masculine. That that's it. That's that's what I said. And when people like were taking that, they were saying thinking men, but it's actually anyone that demonstrated a masculine quality. So right. like at a certain point, I had to tell my husband, who I'm married to now, that if he was born biologically assigned female at birth and transitioned to a male, I probably still would have fallen in love with him and gotten married to him. Because it was it, straight up, the, that personality is what you love. Yes. What you, you enjoy. Yes. Yes. Um, and this actually came after, and, um, and, I'll, and I'm just going to dive right into this because this is something I don't always talk about when it comes to my coming out story is I suffer from a couple of different things mentally for mental health. And um, I also have Asperger's. And so I have to keep myself on this like teetering thing of what's my emotional state stabilized? What is my mental state stabilized the most? And after I was going through the process of, I was in my second separation with my, my ex-wife mm-hmm. and I had to basically go, okay, what am I mentally healthy in? And that's on when I found out that women just drive me crazy. Um, like female archetypes in relationships drive me nuts. Like it's, so it's you very don't hard like on me mentally. I guess, how do you say this without sounding sexist, but a traditionally submissive, I imagine, is what you don't enjoy. Uh, or traditionally no. indecisive. I don't know. Like, there's there's no way to say these well, kinds like, of things without I'm sounding crappy. My you husband know? can be indecisive. The indecisive you know, me too. Is... Like, I, I am all of these things. I'm wishy-washy about shit. I cry at bad movies. Like, I can't, like... 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 <laughs> it's, it's nothing like that. It's um, basically... I should have put it. I guess I'll just go back to my childhood. Is when I was growing up, my sister's... I felt comfortable enough with my sisters putting makeup on me. Mm-hmm. So I had makeup put on me. No big deal, right? Right. Well, I would do these days where during the summer when I was very young, where I would put a hair ribbon in my hair. I would ask my mom, mm-hmm. why can't I have long hair like my sisters? Or the actors who were playing on TV characters that were male that had long hair as well. Um, like there was parts and pieces and in my twenties, I actually wore like skirts and stuff like that. Um, so essentially what it is, is I guess what I'm saying, long story short is there is a definite fluidity to my gender. Yeah. That, that it, basically, it tracks. <laughs> it, it, it tracks. And then on top of that, um, with my Asperger's, a lot of the times my social engagement, I didn't quite grasp like I knew from a very early age that I was biologically male but I also knew that I would have to be with a female to have a genetic offspring yeah but it it doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't out of the question because I had to have a conversation when I was about 12 or 13 um because I actually lost my virginity at 11. Um, 
<laughs> hey, you know, everybody <laughs> loses at some point. Kid, right? Um, and uh, that was a, uh, my first, uh, the first time I like lost my virginity was uh, was to a male. And the second, I, I guess I, I've had both first experiences with men and women uh, in trans. Um, uh, so, like, for, for me, it's, it's one of those things of, after I basically realized, okay, the masculine archetype of a personality, what does that include for me? And it can include crying at sad movies. Mm-hmm. It can include, you know, being indecisive. That's, those are personality traits. What I'm talking about is how you carry yourself. Like, people who have a masculine tendencies, like even females that I've met who have masculine tendencies, um, they carry themselves a very specific way. And that's what I'm trying to get to is what I'm ta- yeah. uh, attracted to. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, the presence, if you will, not so much yeah. like stereotypical <laughs> archetypes. Um, and if, if, if anyone's ever seen any of my parents' oh, well, mainly my mom's ex-boyfriends, um, you will find out that very quickly that uh, this, is, this is like a family thing. <laughs> <laughs> so they're my all dad, like carrying it, in the, carrying it in the shoulders, like walking into a room, not fucking around, like... yeah. I'm, I came here to do this thing. I'm not really about this wasting time bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty that, much what what it is. And and I know that's like kind of hard to explain. Is is basically like, hey, we got there. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, Hopefully nobody cuts that first part out of context. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like we've said like, way worse. Uh, yeah, no, the, the, yeah, like <laughs> just put a disclaimer. Keep listening if you feel like you're in a cringe moment. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, well, if they're listening to this, they've already experienced many a cringe moment on the show. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, uh, so, so when it when it came time, like when it came down, like uh, like twelve or thirteen is when I mentally decided, okay, do I want relationships? Right. Like I like As literally most have. Teens do. Yeah, like. I literally have had like crazy relationships. I've had very normal relationships, like the one with my husband is extremely normal. Um, uh, you seem to get along every time I see you together. Oh no, we're very much normal. Um, I've had wild relationships. I've had basically, I've had um, I've had ups and downs with it, and. Um, so when, after my marriage was basically falling apart, I was separated for a second time. I was sobering up. Right. Um, I decided to do that. And I told one of my friends first, I didn't really tell my family. And then I got into this argument with my sister and my sister basically was like adamantly like, you know, you, you love your wife. Why do you want to divorce her? Blah, 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 blah. Like started laying into me because like Mm -hmm. I was saying, Hey, I'm going to be asking my, my, uh, my then wife at the time. Um, Hey, I'm, I'm going to ask her for a divorce. And she's like, and, and it seems like my, my sister who I was talking to at this time and my ex-wife were kind of like on the same wavelength Mm -hmm. when it came to the reason for the, divorce 
is they would not accept, hey, I'm unhappy. Hey, I can't stop. I can't contain myself to doing this action anymore for you. Like, mm-hmm. I can't knowingly know what you're doing and lie to people that you're not doing it. Like, right. These are things like like legitimately should end a relationship, and neither one of them wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. They wanted the words, "I'm gay." So a lot of people, that's what they wanted to hear. And right. when I came out, that's basically what I said. Um, just long, just to, to long and short it for everybody else, I guess. I mean, you know how you feel about things, but. Yeah. It, we we've yeah. are, we've spent sixteen minutes explaining it. <laughs> do, do you really want to do that to every single family member every right, single right. time you well, have to come out to a new one? Well, I didn't really have <laughs> or to whatever. Do I really didn't have to do much with family. My sister that I basically announced to it before I announced told I, before I even told my my ex wife. Um, she basically called up every family member and or told every single family member that I was I was gay before I even had the chance to talk to her. Oh. So, so how did you feel about stop. that? Because <laughs> if you are in a situation where a sibling has came to you and told you, hey, I think I may be bi, gays, like whatever spectrum, pan, I think I'm, you know, transgender, blah, blah, blah. Do not go to your family and tell them. No, never a Just good thing. Just don't do that. Um, you are going to destroy most... a relationship with that kind of foolishness. Yeah, it's it's not a... I mean, uh, I'm lucky in the sense of my family's generally extremely and openly accepting. And that is probably the saving grace of the entire situation. Okay. Um, so that could have gone a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, it could have gone a lot worse. Um, I grew up going back and forth between Georgia, North Carolina, and Florida mainly. And there are family friends who um, we have and my sister has had. And they told me about their situation. One of them was placed in the hospital by his own family after coming out in North Carolina. So, like, I, there, there is a level of appreciation that my family is just not dickheads. So, yeah, kudos. Um, second, a lot of people find it very odd that I say something like that when I also say that my family is Catholic. Which a lot of people don't seem those hand in hand. <laughs> no, and, you know, I've, I've had to have this conversation with my children because... They, they want to, to believe in God and the word of Jesus Christ. I personally don't subscribe, but, but, you know, the missus does. So, you know, I respectfully let them do their thing. And, you know, if they asked me to go to church, I would go. I would be respectful. But, um, you know, it's just not my thing. So, yeah. you know, I, we've, I've, I've read the Bible. I was raised Lutheran. We were kind of like the bad boys of Christianity, if you will. But uh, <laughs> my just to let you know, my dad church hopped. So um, one summer he was Lutheran, one summer he was Southern Baptist, one summer he was Methodist. Now he's United Methodist. Oh, you know, like so he's uh, just, like I, he's I'm just familiar. banging up the strip. <laughs> but I, uh, I I will say that the Bible is a very good history book too. It's yes. not a holy book. It's me. So, 
So I kind of feel the sentiments of, yeah. of that. Like I've never, like I did. Um, so I there was an emphasis to follow the commandments when I was a kid, and I did do that. And then I actually got confirmed in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, and that's basically just being recognized as an adult to the Catholic Church. Yeah, I I went through uh, what did we call it in Lutheran? I think it was still just confirmation. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it, the main thing why I did it was my mom. There was a lot of pressure on me to do it. A and then B. Um, I kept getting guilt tripped because that's what Christian grandmas do. Um, I think it's just what Christians do, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> I think it's pretty much any grandma at this point. It's not right. just specific thing but like um she carries a cross there's a difference right you know you know like you know you'll be a very big disappointment to your mother and me if you don't do this you know um and i love my girl and i love my grandma um and stuff and so like um but she had passed away prior to me um coming out um i am rambling let's get back on track so that's totally uh, fine man (laughs) <laughs> so I, I'm also fortunate enough to have in my mom's generation, she has two cousins um, that came out. So that is, I think, a big part to play. A lot of people don't realize generational openness with, of sexuality seems to play a big part in comfortability right. within a family. Um, I mean, and, it, it can be a lot if you're yeah. the first person in a family. There's yeah. a lot. You know, that's kind of what I was talking with the last guy about. It's like, you know, yes, this is who you are, but the family may not know that about you, and you could be literally detonating a nuke. So mm-hmm. it's it's just a it's just a lot of information, you know. Yeah, and so, um, I'm I'm always this is my most curious part is the reaction. Like, how did it happen for you? I always pray for the best. <laughs> But the um, nightmares, as long as they're nonviolent, are always like these incredible stories. Well, I mean, what's what's interesting is is when I told my mom, my mom basically was like, "So why do you have to announce this? Why do you have to say this to everyone? I don't get it." Like that was her reaction. Like, okay, and then just so, with our lives. You know, so did like, you take that as a "don't give a shit" kind of moment, or a? No, we, don't, she we shouldn't tell everyone because I've heard. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of took it as you can tell people if you want, but since my sister was right there when it happened, my sister went to the rest of the family, and my mom basically was like, "Why does everyone have to know? Like, why do you have to announce it? You know." Um, so but she was cool I took it as her. my mom basically is a private person. She doesn't right. like. You know, you know, if I went to a family function with a new boyfriend and someone asked me who they were to me, I probably would have just never given a second thought and going, oh, this is my boyfriend or, you know, this is who I'm with right now. And um, and my family would have been like, oh, okay, like that's that's basically like in my dad's family. um, My dad's family, I have a cousin on that side who also came out. my uncle's son and uh he's in you know he's a fantastic person and and the way they treated it was was very similar and um i mean 
because I was married before, though, there mm-hmm. were certain family members, there were certain aspects to it that were kind of very hard. Um, my grandfather, my mom's father, uh, was still alive, still had his faculties. Um, when I came out, I had not told him and I was planning on telling him at, uh, Thanksgiving day breakfast or after he ate breakfast with his second wife, uh, that he married after my grandmother had passed. And, um, and my sister comes in and she goes, so are you going to bleach your hair now that you're gay? And like, I just saw my grandfather like midway through, like with a fork like this with some eggs in it, stop, pause, look at my sister for a second, look at me and then awkwardly put the food in his mouth. (laughs) And then I was like, that was a uh, very thinking was, um, I haven't, yeah, I was just like, basically I was like, um, I haven't talked to Grandpa or told Grandpa and Juanita yet. And um, my sister is like, well, cat's out of bag. <laughs> you know, like, I already said, I <laughs> can't take it back. Um, I left the room and my grandfather, like, both, uh, all of my grandparents at the time were basically like, are you sure? Like, are you sure he's, he doesn't seem like he should be that way. You know, like, right they had a very way. old school, like, yeah, yeah, like, they had a very old Trying school way. Trying to tiptoe of, around um, it. <laughs> right. Um, but they never actually said it in front of me, which is, which is funny, because, like, they wouldn't do it in front of me, but they did it when I was, like, out of the room, but I could probably yeah. still hear some of the conversation. So it was, it's, it's kind of like a nightmare fuel here at that point they're like um, they're like afraid to cause a scene but they're not exactly there with it i don't yeah. want to say maybe against it not well, maybe not fully but like wait what yeah so <laughs> basically my his uh, my uh, my mom's mother when i was growing up knew i wanted children I wanted children. I said I wanted children from a very early age of my life. I'm going through a process of adoption with my husband right now. So you have to, like, this is something I've always wanted in my life. I've, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to have kids. I come, like, my dad has eight children, so I have seven siblings. My mom only built four or four of those. So, you know, one of us <laughs> so is You're just, people. like, big family kind of guy that's... Yeah, I don't want like a ton of kids. Maybe one or two at the most. Yeah, Three you had the, you, yeah. Four is too much. Um, but I mean, I digress. Like, if we get with me and my husband end up with four kids, like that's that's what how it's going to be. But um, right. But I the, the reason why I bring that up is is basically from that point on. Uh, when I was twelve or thirteen, I base and I just made the decision. Hey, I'm going to do a relationship. And, um, I basically said to myself, whoever is willing to be in a relationship where they love me mm-hmm. and I qualify that love. And then I still use the list of questions that I do for all of my relationships today from that time frame is anyone who's willing to love me. So basically this is like when I'm very first, like opening myself up to relationships, I'm kind Mm -hmm. of opening myself to every type of human being possible. 
right? Because yeah. um, wow. and I didn't tell my family that. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. That at all, like I, I just wanted to have experiences. That's, I guess, that's what it boils down to. Is I wanted to have experiences. I don't think neurotypically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of this discussion that I need to clarify. I am a unique case. <laughs> I am not an average case. So, um, you are like Pep. Come on now. <laughs> well, and I go by uh, I go by a uh, I go by the name Pepper. So I think that kind of says a lot. <laughs> I like it though. Yeah. My um uh, my, it's my unique mom's, enough that I've never forgotten it. Yeah, my my mom's mother is actually the one who gave it to me when I was like two. I was a redheaded child that had a lot of energy, according to my to her. So energy turned into pep and like pep in the step, and then transformed into pepper. So yeah, there's that. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, nickname story <laughs> yeah I know. Uh, so yeah but uh essentially like there there are moments of 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 everything in my life that kind of like i don't think i ever tried to define myself through my sexuality 100 percent. there are times where i did and i regret it ever since like being that one person that you work with that defines themselves by their sexuality is rather hard on some levels for me. Mm-hmm. So I tend to try to not do it after experiencing it once. So, um, but also at the same time when I moved to Colorado, um, yeah, finding work and then finding out that just recently, like, so I moved here in 2011 and I was talking to someone who was in the community and they were old, much older than me. Mm-hmm. And he revealed to me that like, they just like recently, not that long ago before I moved to Colorado, mm-hmm. that they put a ban on being able to fire someone for being gay. Interesting. Uh, and I was coming from Florida, so I was in a right-for-work state, and one of the problems that Florida had for a lot of places um, was the same thing. So you had to know your coworkers and know your work environment very well if you were going to say anything about your sexuality. Right. Because they could oust you, and they'd be like, uh, you don't hire homos, get them out of here, Right. Um, but I also have another side of that is uh, when I am open about my mental health history or me- about my mental health in general, mm-hmm. um, I have a tendency of being treated differently to the point of it's very noticeable by me and also it makes me highly uncomfortable to stay. Right. I mean, I, uh, I big brothered a kid with Asperger's for a while and his was way more severe than I didn't even know you had it until you said it. That's why I was like, huh, okay. Yeah. Definitely on the mile then, but I, I dig it. Yeah. It's, know. uh, yeah. My case of Asperger's, uh, I had therapy since I was a kid. Okay. They never diagnosed me. I didn't get a diagnosis until I was 33. Jesus. So if you want to go, if you want to know about that, like, um, 
the first time I saw a psychiatrist, I was like six years old, six or seven, something like that. My parents were going through the middle of a divorce. Um, their divorce was very messy and very public. Uh, so that's why we're seeing people. Um, yeah. Um, but also at the same time, like it just, it shaped me in a different way than most people think. Like, Everyone, a lot of times, like, it, I sit there and I go, yes, I went to Catholic schools. Yes, they were private schools, you know, um, but that was not my life. That was, that type of mentality was not my life. I grew up in a working class family. They just wanted us to have a very good education. Um, most of the people I, I grew up around, um, most, of the, most of the friends that I had that were male have been in and out of jail a lot. Um, so like, I'm your friends on the show here, maybe once or twice, (laughs) you know, and like, and, and when I mean been to jail is, uh, they don't have a lot of people to like, you know, get them out of trouble due to who family is and who they influence or how they haven't influenced the community or anything like that. Um, I'm not saying that my family didn't have that. Like they did have a little bit of that, but it wasn't my mother that had that. So I just want to clarify, mm-hmm. my mother and my father did not have that. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, so yeah, I think I should probably stop talking about my family now because they'll kill me if I continue down that route. <laughs> um, uh, but at, I mean, when well, you're talking family, about, they have to love you regardless, right? Oh no, they can be upset with me. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm saying this with probably one or two relatives mad at me right now for God knows what. Yeah, I know. <laughs> probably something I said on this show. <laughs> um, but it, it also, like, what I also find interesting is when I talk to people about this month in general, about having um, June as Pride Month, a lot of the times it means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. For me, it just feels like another month mm-hmm. that that's, that's around. And, and I guess it's just like, I don't there, I know history enough well enough to know why it's important to have a pride. Right. Yes. Um, and I know why we have it. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that led to this point. There's a lot of inspirational people that I think, like, as an adult, like, I can look back at history and stuff and see, okay, yes, this is a person that I definitely would probably recommend reading up on, Mm -hmm. stuff along those lines. Um, This further came out, like, in my research of, okay, I am wanting to be a parent through adoption, so how about I kind of look into this, like, kind of, like, what will this mean for my child? You know? Uh So I read good things and bad things. Like I kind of take this approach of, okay, if I send my child to school or some type of, you know, social function for kids, Uh they come back and they're upset and they turn around at me and just basically go, why do you have to be two guys? And like storm off. Mm-hmm. So I know that my child was just... Every gay couple's 
that his parents is like fucking nightmare. Like this is the fever dream. They wake up from sweating. (laughs) Yeah. I've had this, I've had this nightmare so many times during this uh, adoption process. Like at one point, like I wanted to wake up and. That is not the first variation of that story that I have heard from other gay people and, you know, people in the community. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's nerve wracking. It's very nerve wracking because when I was a kid, um, obviously like I was, I was in these situations where, um, these other kids, they, they basically called me names. And at one point, like, I just did not understand what they were calling me. Right. And I had to go home and I had to ask my mom, like, Hey, what does this is? What is this? And they're like, and she was just like, Oh, well, they're referring to you as this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Not really offended. No. <laughs> Maybe not specifically or. No, I just basically, it was like, it was one of those things of as a kid, like, I was just like, but I'm not. Why would they think that? And my, my mom was basically like, you may not feel that way, but they probably think that you're like that because they don't really know you. And it goes back to when I was in my first marriage, there was a lot of people that basically, when they first met me with my ex, they always thought I was gay and she was my beard. Uh, I, I'm not joking. Tons of so people the, this. So you're um, kind of self-aware that like quote-unquote, the signs were there, I guess, or whatever. Well, right, right. <laughs> A lot of red flags for young Pep. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the analogy that um, uh, from Shit's Creek, you know, with the wine. Yes. Um, God, you know, that fucking show. And, um, and it's like, see, I like red. <laughs> I like the occasional white. I like rosé. I like a Chardonnay that used to be a cabaret, you know, right? like that analogy kind of sums up like me growing up as a kid. Like I was kind of open for everything Mm -hmm. to try to find a way to deduct what it was that I actually will eventually go to, Mm -hmm. you know, and I love way You were living it up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, like one of my uh, the first time because I've been in college twice. I have a master's degree and I have a bachelor's degree. I so had air horn, I'd... <laughs> um, and uh, I'm super proud of that. So, um, and um, yeah, when I was at college the first time, one of my friends basically said something. I don't even remember what he said, and mm-hmm. then I basically made a comment right back, and he just like turned around and he's like. I did not realize you were a freak. Like, <laughs> wow. In the sense of, like, like literally, he did not realize that I was like experienced that level of sexual experience. <laughs> like, <laughs> thought I was still a virgin because everyone thought I was like super innocent, and it's like, no, <laughs> it's far from it. Like, I actually have a teacher who, a uh, professor from that those days, that actually is a friend now. And like, he even called me out on it in class. He's like, you look super young. You're like 
what, 19? And I was like, yes, I'm 19 years old. And he's like, you look like you're about 15 years old. <laughs> Everything. You probably don't even shave every day. Like, and, and I'll be honest and realistic with that. Like, I did not start shaving every day for <laughs> until I, like, I didn't have stubble like I had right now until I moved to Colorado. And then, um, but like, if I shave my face, and my hair is long, I get called miss. I get confused <laughs> with a very butch lesbian at times. Some people have said, like asked I've me seen, about I've oh. seen you, Clay Shaven. You have a very baby face. Yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, if, if anyone listening is like into pop culture, I equate it to um, the guy who played Scotty in Star Trek. Like, yes. it seemed like he did not age. Every single time they showed him, and then, bam! Like one movie he did with them, or one one cameo role he did with them, he looked his age all of a sudden. Yeah. And basically, that's that's what it is. Is right now my parents are in their sixties. If you see them, they look like they're still in their late forties. This is a genetic thing. Like I can't get around it. <laughs> You're blessed. All right. Hashtag blessed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, there, there's that. Um, but I mean, it also at the same time, like I've had uh, people call me out for like Peter Pan syndrome, which is uh, something that's very big in, uh, in I guess, uh, kids uh, in people from like the eighties and nineties who are chasing youth now. I guess um, uh-huh. I heard the syndrome when I was like when I was in my when when I was in high school about um, older you know, baby boomer type age range, trying to recapture youth and stuff like that. Right. Um, because of the way I look. Like, <laughs> some people actually think I've had work done. <laughs> not vain. <laughs> I've known you long enough to know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, as far as, like, why we're here, is there anything you want me to talk about? Because I think I've... I think I'm like not wanting to talk about my coming out story anymore. <laughs> no, you've you've it's been more it's been way more than just a coming out story because you've peppered in how you dealt with ending your previous marriage to a woman. Um, you've talked about being married to a man. You've talked about you know adoption process. I guess I could ask more about that. Okay. How does how does that seem to be going? Because I am only aware, at least in my personal circle of friends, I only know one other gay couple that has successfully adopted. And by all accounts, their story was a like complete fucking shit show. Apparently they just ran into like roadblock after roadblock. And then maybe like towards the end, things finally just like flattened out. And like, it was like, okay, now we just need to do this, this, and this. And the kid's coming home. Yeah, so how so, is it how is it going for you? I guess like are you running into any of those like oh no they're gay roadblocks? Um, so uh, we have all our VERT documents updated, um, so that's good. Uh, we're yeah. all we're all situated there. We are going through an agency, um, and we actually sought out agencies in Colorado that were um, community friendly, like basically all types of communities. Um, we went with one that 
had a high rating uh, among. You could say them. You could say uh, them on a show. Uh, That's totally fine because okay. I would prefer you did to add that to the quote for people that'll listen. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we are going through a company, uh, an adoption agency known as Adoption Options. Um, they, we, we, we've gotten everything. Right now, it's just a waiting game for us. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, I was exposed to a lot of babies and changing diapers and stuff like that. So having a baby baby freshly, I guess, as someone pointed out, so you want a fresh one <laughs> to me uh, is not something that I don't like. I, I won't accept. Like, I would love to have a baby. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's great. They're cute. They're moldable. You know, they're they're squishy cheeks and everything. My husband has never experienced having a baby around him very much, so mm-hmm. he wanted to have our first child as a baby, and that's where he was comfortable starting this process. Mm-hmm. Um, after we went through the process of surrogacy research and going through that process, mm-hmm. um, I want to say the surrogacy process in Colorado for what we wanted was just too high of a cost. Us. Okay. And that's why we went with adoption. Um, I have cost a week talking, if you don't mind. So we. You can just say figures if that's if that's where so you're comfortable figure, with. <laughs> figuratively, um, and now this is figuratively. Um, we, if we were going to do a surrogacy, we were going to try to do two right off the bat. So we were going to have to pay someone to carry a set of twins, mm-hmm. or more, as a possibility. Um, and that costs $150,000 in the state of Colorado. That's rough estimate. That's not... Yeah, so that's just like a general pr- starting price. For, 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 having, for, twi- a twins, for yes. having a set of twins. Yes. Um, and adoption costs is roughly a little over $30,000 for mm-hmm. a baby. Now... When you get down into the nitty gritty in this and you decide, hey, I want to do a foster to adopt or flexible family type programs where mm-hmm. it's it's also like fostering to adopt as well there. Um, that's when you get into lower fees. You also get into different types of styles of payments and stuff like that. Um, it does cost money. Um, yeah. And I joke, I joke about this a lot. Because when you get into the nitty-gritty of this, it does sound like legal human trafficking. Right. And the state I mean, that... they are state property. They're wards of the state. Right. <laughs> right. Like, and if they want to go on a field trip, they have to go get a judge's signature. Like, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that is... And, um, this, Straight up legalized human human trafficking. It is, it is. and it, it's horrible to say out loud like that. But I mean, at the end when of the look day, at the facts. <laughs> yeah, look at the facts. And at the end of the day, like someone could be upset with me for saying that, but like I just want to point out that we are trying to get a child that has just been born. Mm-hmm. So once we get in our program, we have to wait. For someone to choose us we don't choose right we have no choice <laughs> and that's what like that's the big misconception of what people think adoption is um because there's so many bad examples of what adoption was from the past 
Mm-hmm. And now there's so many regulations that have cleaned it up that the current model of adoption is the birth mother or birth mother and birth father. Um, now, I want to make this specification is for the phrasing of the birth family, you no longer say biological family. That seems very harsh. Right. But if you say the birth family, so the birth mother, the birth father, that is a little bit gentler to intake in. I mean, it doesn't make the situation any better when you're trying to explain if you don't right. explain it properly. But yeah, um, it's, it's all in like it's, it's terminology. It's yeah, and how you're using it. Yeah, and um, so when I so when we were going through this process, like um, we initially like my husband and I, uh, like we talked and we did say like, you know, if they give us the adopt, uh, the ability for closed adoption, that would be ideal because my mm-hmm. husband didn't want the birth yeah. to kind of interfere. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, you've been around it. It's already a new thing for him. So let's just try and keep as much noise yeah. out as possible. Right. I, I totally understand because yeah. That is 100% how I would want it myself. Like, I've never done this before. I really, really don't need, like, this other bullshit interfering with, like, what I already don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. Um, So, as we found out in Colorado, there are no closed adoptions. Ah. Yeah. There's always a... There is a base semi-open adoption that is always having to happen um so meaning to what kind of access so we can establish that for some listeners okay. who are probably so, like okay we're <laughs> yeah so for us we are comfortable sending in a letter once a year on the child's birthday to the birth family mm-hmm. providing pictures updates how they are in school so on and, and along those lines um, and and that's enough, just a letter. Okay. So that already, while it may seem like a lot for some people, if a letter is all you need to send, that's not that bad. No, it's not. It's not. And um, the one thing is is also through this process is I did a a, a thing called. Um, some baby magazine, uh, some baby zines to mm-hmm. raise money for my adoption. Um, those are basically, I took the different colors of the rainbows and I turned these toddlers into like an all red one, an orange one, a green one, you know, like all these right. different kids. And like, I have like root beer flavor. I call them like blue raspberry or like stuff like that. Like I don't like, you know, right, yeah. have normal names for them. Um, I did this style and everything, and I'm basically, once we do adopt a child, I'm going to write their adoption story and illustrate it using that methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then when you become a famous comic book artist, this <laughs> random family will have, like, the most valuable fucking comics on Earth. The illustration, the personal personalized I, illustrations actually, of this child. No, no, I'm not <laughs> publish it. Like the 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 chi- my child, the child 
that I adopt will have this singularly alone. I will never have it printed for anyone else. It will be specifically for them. Um, I would like to get as much information as I can from the birth family um, to kind of put in there as much as I can, because you cannot use identifiers when you're going through this. Like, mm-hmm. so we'll know mine and my husband's first name, and we will know their first names, but we won't know their last names. Right. Until because you, you can't be biased. Them. Right. Um, because DeLuca. That could be any number of nationalities <laughs> to which well, a conservative set might be less friendly towards. So we got to right. nip the whole like anti-whatever out completely. Mm-hmm. So no, I really, I like that. I didn't know that. And I like that. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, they will see who we are as physically features because um, we have done a video. We mm-hmm. have done uh, a profile and they have like a, billion pictures of me and my husband doing random stuff um, through what they call a profile. And this is what the birth family gets. They get this profile. And it does like all this list of what we like and what we expect and everything. And we have to write a letter. And in that letter, we have to talk about if we know about loss. And we have to... uh, Appreciate what they are doing for us mm-hmm. to allow us to become parents through giving up their child. Um, for me, particularly, it was very—it's very, it's very uh, hard in some respects because I know what they're giving up. Right. Um, I actually have done a comic book, or I have done a comic which is on webtoons called Clover Patch, and um, that particular comic is actually about in my first marriage uh, and how we were expecting a child and lost that child mm-hmm. and it was a second trimester miscarriage oh man so I knew I was going to have a daughter and everything so that was like kind of like in that moment, I wrote this really weird poem, and I turned it into a comic. And I actually, like, thinking about it now, like, when I finished it, like, I was bawling. Like, I was I was mm-hmm. crying. Oh, dude. Um, if I you used... weren't, you are were some kind of monster. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, it's one of those things of, like, I can finally say goodbye to this part of my life. Yes. Like, and I ended it with basically, um, I ended it on a very hopeful note, and and that's basically where it was. And so, I in my letter, I do talk about how I lost a child, and I understand what it is to for a parent to lose a child. And even though I'm in a gay relationship, for all accounts does not mean I do not have this experience. And that is one of the defining factors of my story is, is that when it comes to children, mm-hmm. um, I You've always one of them, irregardless of yeah. s- sex and sexuality. Like yeah. I want fucking kids. I'll be, 
humping a zebra. I still want some fucking kids. Like I, I just want kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had people even question, like, like they've said that like my personality, like some people thought that it was too self-centered and selfish. And it's like, I don't think I'm self-centered and selfish. Like half the time, like, Yes, I do a lot of selfish actions, but that's just a product of my raising. That's not necessarily who I am as a human being. Um, because I have surprised people out of the blue who've made assumptions about me because they thought I wouldn't help someone. And in turn, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, there, there's a lot of miscommunications, a lot of people assuming different things about me. And that's, I think that's a general problem. That's not an LGBT community yeah assumption is like i want to i want to turn a phrase here but i don't have it but assumption sucks like you make an ass out of you and me when you assume yeah that's a good one is that coming from something uh no that's a very old saying it's not from anything else i'm not directing it at you but that's no no i i get it i get it i get it Um, because if you spell assume it's a-s-s-u-m-e i like that so like whoever uh, made that up (laughs) honestly the first time i heard it was a grammar (laughs) grammar class (laughs) so it's probably like super old that phrase (laughs) worry about that later Uh, well i mean that's the late 80s i heard that in school so (laughs) right Well, Meth. Well, Pep. Yeah. Your story is fucking incredible. I wish you the best for your adoption. It sounds like things are going okay, at least so far. Uh, yeah, just so far. It's just game. the waiting game. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're happily married, as far as I can tell. I run into you guys constantly, randomly, at Ikea sometimes. And, of course, at almost every local convention where there's artwork and i've never seen the two of you not smiling together (laughs) except maybe during like the last day (laughs) when everybody's just pretty (laughs) long-faced yeah pretty much uh well man i really appreciate you coming on today and giving me the pepper story it has been thoroughly entertaining and i feel closer to you now as a friend Well, I mean, I'm glad to hear that. Um, and like I said, when you initially like put it out there, like my story is, I'm, I'm, I pretty much am, am open. I think I'm more open about it now than I think I am ever before in my life. So, um, if you had, I wanted to know like a lot of nitty gritty questions, and you had a ton of questions for me, I probably would have answered all of them. <laughs> no, I was happy to just let you loose, bud. <laughs> This is what you do best, man. I've seen your artwork. Just go nuts. (laughs) Well, and it also helps that I can hardly keep track of where my thoughts are at. So, So, but thank you for uh, having me here and uh, talking. Um, I know you're probably trying to end things, and I have a hard time ending things, especially when I'm having fun. So I'm a, I'm a little bit trying to end things. We're, we're almost hitting that hour mark. Juan might hate me for this one, but it's... He, he likes you, so maybe, well, maybe I'll, we'll get lucky. <laughs> Sorry, Juan. Yeah. 
if you listen to this while editing, we both love you and we appreciate your patience. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, 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 I I'm already I, doing this entire series on the fly. And he's like, so what is this thing? What am I suddenly having to edit now? <laughs> he, he, sat, he sat, I read it as him a little mad because they were coming in quick at like 12 o'clock last night. <laughs> Sorry, Juan, I love you, dude. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so this has been another episode of Shooting the Shit. Uh, I've been Tim. And I am Pepper DeLuca. So, all right, so... Go ahead and plug yourself, Pep, because con season is quickly coming. What a loaded statement at during Pride after oh, that know, conversation. Right? Um, the only event that we actually have planned is for uh, we are going to be out in Glenwood Springs at the end of June for Pride. Okay. Um, we collectively have decided that if we have to pay for a table, we are not going to do that because right now we're trying to really focus on the adoption process. Right. So as expensive as they up, can be. Yeah. So if we end up at a show, it's because they gave us a table for free. Right. <laughs> That's literally why we're there. Um, so we have no other plans other than the, that one event. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just type in the name Pepper DeLuca. You will find me fairly quickly. <laughs> Um, all right, so greetings, everyone. This is a special episode of Shooting the Shit. My name's Tim. I'm usually with Thinking Outside the Long Box, but today I'm here gonna shoot the shit about pride in the LGBTQ plus community with my new friend. Hi, I'm Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy, how should we start this? Do we want to learn a little bit about you, or would you like to just shoot the shit about, say, Pride as a whole or the community in general? Um, let's let's just start by shooting the shit. I think that'll that'll be pretty good. Okay, so so just to introduce the the audience, you you are transitioning. Yes. Um, how do you feel the community has um, been a benefit to you so far? As far as like getting the information you needed to even get started, well, based on of uh, where I live out in uh, the rural areas of uh, Colorado, there's there haven't really been many people for me to talk with. So my a lot of stuff has really been through uh, Facebook and uh, just doing a little bit of research on the internet uh, for communities and stuff like that. Because uh, down in Denver, they've got a, a huge uh, organization group through uh this what, the, what is called the center out there and uh, they're able to kind of help talk with people get them the resources that they need and uh also with facebook and just regularly talking with people through that you can just uh just re- really chat with other people who are like you find out more information and find out if um, this is something that you really are interested in doing. Yeah. So it sounds like the center was super helpful. I'm going to have to make sure I include, I'm going to have to find it and include it with this episode. When we put it up. 
<laughs> I, I'm I'm out here in Greeley right now, and yeah, I I'll be honest with you. If if this was information I was looking for, it doesn't exist out here. No, so I get it's, that. It's 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 interesting to me that you were able to utilize Facebook and social media to sort of find those resources. Well, a lot of the uh, the pages and everything like that are private groups. So if you're questioning the whole thing and you want to talk with people about it, you can join and talk with people and people like your closest family members, they, they don't know because it's, like I said, it's a private group. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems like, uh, it's, it's, it seems like if it would probably feel really, really safe to really open up and kind of, cause I know the, the whole thing is, is rather revealing. It's, you know, you've got to expose yourself to, to the whole thing. So yeah, I'm, and, I'm sure uh, that's a lot easier when the community is is there. It's a it's a lot easier when a community's behind you. It's pretty difficult for public because we've we built up the stigma in America where anything strange or different should be feared or acted against. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. So, that's exactly how you should react to things. <laughs> of course, but. I, yeah, but I, I tend to think of it as more of like a Star Trek. Like this is there's mm-hmm. this element of curiosity. Like, what is that thing? Why why is that uh, uh, void in space uh, moving with the ship and everything like that? I'm throwing a next gen reference, and I'm shooting for original series. <laughs> no, I'm I'm loving this this <laughs> this this usage of pop culture pop culture references to uh, express your emotions of. <laughs> Well, <laughs> well, Roddenberry, yeah, yeah. Gene Roddenberry, he was uh, one of the the people who, even in like the '60s, when the original series was coming out, it's like there's no racism in the future. There's no uh, this, that, or the other. Or at least there's no racism on the humanity or human side. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the movies and you see Kirk uh, just destroying the Klingons because they killed his son. I mean, that wasn't racism. That was just a vendetta. Right. That was revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, there is something to be said about how Star Trek has, and, and this is, this is not a mystery. I feel like to anyone who's a fan, but Star Trek has always kind of had this unique quality to it where it is, like its whole point is to be accepting and understanding of different cultures and different races and different ways of life because otherwise there wouldn't be a federation. And I I feel like a lot of um, people from your communities, um, a lot of people from like all of these disenfranchised communities that are, you know, trying to hold it together with something like Star Trek has been a real asset to them because of its open Anything. Anything sci-fi can always be interpreted as either hopeful or fearful. And it just depends on your interpretation of it. I mean, there's plenty of Doctor Who out there that uh, yeah. is both. I mean, just look at the entire David Tennant series. Oh, yeah. I mean, I recently binge watched Doctor Who um, with my girlfriend and uh, the Tennant the oh, season. I have an issue here with the audio. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's fine. These will happen. Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it was it was not lost on me that there were a couple of hints dropped in the tenant season where, like, 
they were dropping like, yeah, he may have had a romance with the man. Yeah, he was definitely a woman before. Like, he's like, they kind of dropped all those hints. And that's when, like, everybody seemed to forget him when we made Doctor Who a woman officially. <laughs> yeah. People forgot that, yeah, this all this was kind of hinted at already. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Tenant series was more like questioning. Uh, Never mind that, that's me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, the Tenant series was more like questioning what's the the dangers of messing with time where Matt Smith was kind of the hopeful adventurer, the -hmm. scholar who wanted to explore everything. So you, you really get the the sense of change and cultural understanding throughout uh, a lot of science fiction. Do you, do you feel like, the science fiction that you are obviously a fan of. <laughs> do you do you feel like it is it has helped you through your journey so far, as far as the content you're consuming and how you kind of chew on that mentally to help yourself out? Well, the content itself is more just like a it, it allows you to just take an an introspective from a outside source. And an intro or extrospective, I can't remember <laughs> what it is, but uh, you're, you're put in a position and you're like, oh my God, I never thought about something like this. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh God, I can't even, <laughs> there's so many references, but uh, I can't even think of one right now. But uh, when it comes to, things that make you think well why as a why are humanity why are we being uh, so hateful and spiteful to re- towards each other when we have such potential to mm-hmm. do things like and i don't want to get yeah you can, i don't want to get can, political or anything on this you, but oh you can you can I'm, yeah i'm certainly not going to stop you <laughs> okay well when it comes we can, to we can take it yeah. there this show is is pretty liberal you're you're safe here you're in good company okay. <laughs> <laughs> we hate trump <laughs> yeah I, I abstained so i'm not for or against anything so let's yeah. <laughs> but well, let, let's look at what happened last year i mean um not just the coronavirus or the uh the riots or anything like that but when it comes to just viewing the world as a whole and you see things like uh, these militias or whatever uh, cracking down on uh, communities that they really should not be cracking down on. And you're like, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. This makes no sense. And it's and then then you go and you watch a uh, a piece of sci-fi that in a way kind of correlates to it. Then you start to realize, oh God, maybe it's this reason. And then you start to do the research yourself. I mean, if you think about uh, things like Watchmen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's definitely one of those eye-opening comics that's like, like people, people always praise Rorschach as a character. Like he's some kind of badass when actually he's a, he's a racist, like piece he, of shit. A, like he's a scumbag. <laughs> His he's a scumbag, but he's trash. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a scumbag, but also the comedian was the one person 
in the entire run of the comic, the movie, the TV show, who actually saw the world for what it is mm-hmm. and decided to become a parody, decided to become a parody of it. And there was um, Ozymandias was like, I can save this world. And, and uh, what he did with uh, the genetic and in the comics, the, yeah. uh, the aliens or whatever. And then in the movie, it was the uh, using Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. To make, and it like, was just the, bombs. <laughs> yeah. bombs. And then night owl, which pretty much said you deformed humanity, you deformed humanity's destiny or whatever. So he, he knew he knew humanity would come together to fight a big bad. Exactly. Humanity would come together to fight a big bad and they would chase it across the stars and it would expand and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But the true aspect of humanity is uh, one of great compassion, but one of great cruelty. Yeah. And if we can actually get away from the cruelty side of things, which is what a lot of, uh, what I view in the sci-fi genre is something that can help out so much. It just gives us that perspective. It's like, what are you doing? Your, your power is in your hands mm-hmm. type thing to, to make and bring about a lasting change, a lasting peace. But we don't know how to do that because we are so indoctrinated with uh, the way society is. Yeah, where it feels like things are getting a little bit better, <laughs> but a we are better, far but, uh, from like you know the United Federation of Planets. <laughs> oh, we're we're way way far from that. We're we're, we're mostly probably like the Jadoon in uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or even if you don't watch Doctor Who, you were more like the Klingons in a way. Right. That's that's an easier reference. <laughs> so, you ready for some hard questions? Uh, shoot. Alrighty. Alrighty. I'm going to hit you with the one that I thought was the hardest. Uh, without giving away your personal reasons for beginning your transition, um, when did you know or kind of feel that your body uh, image or your, your wasn't really lining up. I don't really know how to word that. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's fine. It's, um, it's such a complicated thing. I've just, you know, when did you, when did you feel that things weren't right, that, that things needed to, to that you needed to take an active step? Well, uh, this was a few years ago. Um, essentially, Transitioning for me is mostly suicide prevention. Okay. For the for about God, how many years? I forget. But uh, when you're when when stuff happens that you're just so broken that you want to start over, and nothing that you're doing that you've tried to do has been. Um, seeming like it's been a long lasting thing, mm-hmm. then you, you start looking at other options. So then, uh, you, I have talked with, uh, my doctor and everything like that. And it's like, well, maybe you should just, uh, consider doing this. Maybe just look into the community type thing. And cause 
uh, some of the research that I had done was on the medication mm-hmm. after my doctor had talked to me about it. So like, well, there's been results of uh, better mental out- outlooks, clarity. And because of my job, uh, antidepressants and all that stuff mm-hmm. are not really the best thing. And uh, again, because of my job, I can't smoke weed here, in, even here in Colorado. Right. So I'm assuming you maybe deal with something like machinery or. <laughs> yeah, it's a it, it's a driver job up here. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm the same way. I work for the post office, so I don't really get to have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> driver and it's federal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just because of the uh, the medication and everything and just trying to get that mental clarity. It's more of a mental game for me. Mm hmm. And it's translated into a physical thing. But just because of not wanting to feel suicidal anymore, mm-hmm. that's what, that is what led me to this point. And I'm actually feeling a whole lot better because of it. Mm-hmm. You've, you've, you've said in, in messages that uh, this, this whole sort of uh journey has been very healing that yes that uh you know it's prevented a suicide for you mm-hmm. you know that's that's huge i'm glad you're still here thank you thank you for not doing that um you know and you're you're 100 correct you know i think at this point even the most devout conservative hasn't walked 10 feet without seeing an article where you know this is a thing that is happening and it's improving people's lives. Yeah. But the, the problem that uh, a lot of these conservatives have with the, uh, the concept of transitioning is because of the religious aspect that has been yeah. played up and it's been, uh, it's been played up and downplayed so much that because I, I was raised a Catholic, mm-hmm. I, I was baptized, confirmed, everything like that in my first uh, 16 years of life. So pretty well entrenched. (laughs) I was pretty well entrenched and even just, uh, well, when I was talking with my parents about it many, many years ago, I I began to think the way they thought about the Mm -hmm. whole thing It was like what they said. And when I, like about what I obviously have changed my opinion about now is that uh, it was a slide against God. It's a uh, desecration of a holy temple type thing. It's what God mm-hmm. created. When I think also it was like, well, look at the world around us. Mankind without the aid of uh, uh, intersex and everything like that, just in a regular person, we've, raped and pillaged this planet oh yeah we've and done we can, more nature violation than we could ever inflict on ourselves at this point. oh yeah yeah and it's like this the, the planet is as god's creation in a way so why is that okay and the the affirmation of the self wrong mm-hmm. so if you're trying to make yourself better trying to make yourself live longer be happier with your life why is that wrong and 
destruction of a mountainside to get at the the ore or whatever beneath it correct yeah and the, and the problem and that comes out of uh what people see as uh, our manifest destiny we are we're supposed to go out and take whatever it is we need we not we need we want and make our lives better so mm-hmm. like we destroyed and it several civilizations in our conquest to do that we even destroyed uh people who were not even from here we brought them over and then we said hey you're equal now but you're not equal and we're going to make sure of that by doing x i'm referring to like tulsa and everything like that yeah like the the shit show that is african americans in this country unfortunately like the there, history what, what has happened good. to them? Yeah, what yes. has happened to them over over the past years? This this country's entire ledger is red. <laughs> it, it is completely red, and we should definitely try to to reparate and write it out. And I don't want to get into the uh, yeah yeah that's the, the, the stipula- <laughs> stipulations on a lot of things, but that's something my wife and I talk about talk about all the time. I'll bring you I'll bring you back as an ally for next Black History Month. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And we'll continue this conversation. We'll just we'll just keep <laughs> the power there, man. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. <laughs> We're right on, man. So, all right. This is great stuff, man. I'm so happy that you're you're okay with talking about all this with me. I didn't think I, we were we would get this far. Um so I, I suppose my next question is, uh, how far along are you, would you say, in your journey to wh- wherever your end game is? Um, well, if you plan to game, go all the way. Yeah, end game is kind of a relative uh, term for a lot of people who are trans and everything like that, because yeah, you could go all the way to uh, uh, surgical procedures to completely conform to what you're perceiving yourself to be or what you are, I should say. Yeah. And, uh, you can go to a point and stop because of financial religious or Mm -hmm. pressure from family or whatever. But in all aspect, once you hit 18 and you move out, as long as you can uh, keep a roof over your head, keep your food in your stomach and bills paid, it's your life. Mm-hmm. Your, your life is yours once you leave that leave the house, leave your parents or anything like that. They mm-hmm. can either accept what, who or what you are. You could say, I identify as a dolphin. Right. If you live in the mountains of Colorado. Right. And people would you'll have to accept some, that. You'll find some fucking people out there that are also dolphins, man. Like, <laughs> that's the world we live in now. Like... The, the openness and the, like, I think one of the shining moments of the internet isn't just the overwhelming abundance of knowledge and porn, but its ability <laughs> to bring too much porn, a, a ton of really obscure communities in some cases. And yes. then a lot of, you know, um, fringe kind of groups that are, you know, butting up because there's just, there's so much new happening in society now. Yeah, and uh, 
in, in regards to that, I have no idea how like the 501st managed to organize before the internet. Dude. So <laughs> I, uh, my, my, my last apartment, I was actually neighbors with the guy that was pretty high up in the 501st. And he was like, it was like herding cats. We would do things by like fax and letter and like pre-internet message board. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like like all, all kind of stuff. You know, he 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 had some newspaper classified. Stories. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so at what's so I guess let me rephrase that question. At what stage do you find yourself at now if you're okay with discussing that? Yeah. Currently, mentally, right now, I am actually doing a whole whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Physically, I'm I'm not quite there yet. And uh, once I get more comfortable with myself and how I appear, mm-hmm. then uh, I'll make the decision whether or not to to stop. I know I've already I've got uh, two surgeries that I want to do, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pretty much all I have right now and beyond that it's uh just trying to live live my life now mm-hmm. and i've got i got uh, trips planned for uh the next few years trying to get out of out from behind the uh the driving seat essentially mm-hmm. and just go out and explore and so like i said live so, so let me ask you this, because I've, I've seen this done on, on TV shows and things before, um, where people are transitioning, that they'll take a vacation, but they'll take a vacation as their next uh, uh, phase or whatever you want to call it, you know, their, their transition. Yeah. They'll go out as, you know, I'm now, you, I'll, I will use this name on the trip. You know, as long as I don't need my license for anything, <laughs> and I, and I've and I've seen it, you know, really helped. Is is that something you've considered at all? Yeah, uh, that's something I've considered. I've actually uh, been playing with the idea of coming out to my family and everything before I go on my trip next year. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm, it's it's about a six month backpacking trip. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that that's going to be fun. That sounds rad, man. That sounds rad. So, so you haven't come out to, so, so aside from me and, and your wife who was at the beginning of the call, um, who, you know, at, I guess who else have you sort of opened up to so far? I've come out to a few people on Facebook who are on my friends list and they, uh, they say I'm a safe person to talk to and this, that, and the other, uh, some of the other artists that, uh, that I work with as well. Mm-hmm. And I've also come out to two members of my family, my cousin and uh, my sister who's living with us right now. Okay. And, um, I guess, you know, you don't have to answer this question, but I guess how, how have the reactions been so far? Well, the reactions have been pretty positive. I mean, dropping a bomb like this on somebody that you've <laughs> known for years, it's pretty scary. And I know a lot of people out there feel the same way because you're telling somebody something that that is uh, incredibly personal, incredibly uh, uh, shocking and life affirming. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying earlier, with the state that the uh, 
a lot of the world is in right now, these these people can react uh, different ways. They can be uh, completely um, resistant. And if there's a family member, they can cut you off, write you out of the will, do this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. never speak to you again type thing. And There's been a lot of horror stories out there, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then there's the people who can be completely accepting and be like, yeah, I'm here for you, whatever you need. So those are the kind of people that you really want to uh, to share something like this with and you want to be completely open and honest with people on this mm-hmm. because this is, like I said, it's a big life affirming thing. And this is, uh, you never know how people are going to react, especially nowadays. So if you could offer, cause we're almost hitting 30 here. If you could offer a piece of advice to anyone who is, on the fence or just starting their journey through transition, what would you, what kind of advice would you give? I would say, uh, first of all, consult like Facebook and everything like that. Go to these groups that, uh, that are for people who are transitioning. There are for people who are LGBTQ mm-hmm. and so find, find people a, who, so find a community. Find a community. There's there's communities out there that are LGBTQ that are into everything. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying earlier, one of my favorite things to do is go out hiking and everything like that. I found an LGBTQ hikers group. Nice. So it's it's something that you can you can explore. You can talk with people. You can share interests. At, at the end of the day, uh, any part of the LGBT community is. Uh, is just a regular person. Mm-hmm. They're they're not freaks. They're not aliens. They're not. Uh, they're they're not. Uh, oh, what what the hell was that thing? They're not the the, the little yellow the babelfish from. Oh yeah. They're not they're not the babelfish. No. So <laughs> little yellow leech like and the most odd and most peculiar thing in the universe they're nothing like that. They're actually some of the nicest people and they've been so disenfranchised, so pushed to the extremes and the fringes of society because of what they choose to be. Mm-hmm. They choose to be themselves. And because they choose to be themselves, they're the most kind, most receiving, most loving people you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's that's a good sentiment right there. They didn't, you didn't choose anything other than to be yourself. <clears throat> exactly. I like that. That's solid. That's good fucking advice right there. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, man. This has been incredibly eye-opening. You know, I've got a few more of these kind of going on um, with some other people that have reached out so far. You were the first. And... uh I got to tell you, man, it feels like I'm going to be learning a lot probably in the next week. Just the experiences that I'm hearing from you, some of the ones I've already heard through messages, it's, it's mind blowing. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that there is, you know, while there is an abundance of hate to be found, there's also an abundance of acceptance and education and just, you know, 
that kind of group catharsis you need when you're on when you're doing something so intense yeah you know like it's yeah. it's no mystery this is like like you said this you were like this is a lot to drop on somebody like you it gotta is. know that <laughs> i mean it's it's your life for sure right you like you should not feel ashamed about that but it is it's a lot for like the random person that like wasn't expecting to hear that today <laughs> yeah and at the end of the day if they've got an issue with who you are and what you choose to to do it's on them right if they yeah. choose to act out of hate mm-hmm and I'm I'm glad that you've you've managed to to meet this with a lot of love so far in your corner, yeah. and that's that's great to hear. Well, all right, for thinking outside the long box, this has been shooting the shit with Tim and Jeremiah. Um, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I think Twitch. We don't haven't streamed a lot of video games in a while. Um, <laughs> uh, please give us a like and follow on YouTube to catch all the uh, latest videos. This will not be one of them for the sake of privacy. So thank you for coming on tonight, Jeremiah. Uh, this was awesome. Um, I hope, I hope you feel like you gained something maybe from this too. Hopefully I <laughs> just think being I, able I to come on and talk yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I know you were, you were, you were pretty nervous. I know you were nervous yeah. about coming on and you, you have handled this like a champ, my friend. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thinking Outside the Long Box. Make sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube for behind-the-scenes information and more content! Thinking Outside the Long Box is a barren space production! Ah <laughs>